0: Welcome to the Unitarian Universalist Fellowship of McMinnville podcast. Founded in 2007, UUFM is a gathering place for people who embrace a free and responsible search for truth and meaning. We are located in the heart of Oregon's Willamette Valley wine country. Please visit us on the web at macuuf.org, M-A-C-U-U-F dot and if you are ever in or near the McMinnville area, don't hesitate to stop by and visit us. UUFM gathers in love and service for justice and peace. We are welcome. We welcome you today to listen to another deepening of our understanding of this 23rd Psalm. Carol Hartman. Thank you. I thank you for inviting me to come to your pulpit again. I had such a great time last time, I was really looking forward to this. I took a bit of a challenge for myself with not just one, but two servants on the 23rd Psalm. Not a biblical scholar. But I'm determined not to keep me away from finding clues and and gems that countless folks have learned along the way. I was born and raised a UU with a rich Sunday school experience that did not cover much in the Bible. The church I belonged to was a very humanistic church and they were not biblically centered. Nevertheless, I stumble around in a territory that is unfamiliar to me so that I can learn more and ultimately share with others. I hope i found some insights that spark your imagination and curiosity today. Looking again at the 23rd Psalm, I stated that I would share with you some gems that I find in that poem. I've written many adaptations of the 23rd Psalm. As a hospice chaplain, I was, and still am, tasked with conducting many funerals. So many folks find this familiar psalm comforting. I've written adaptations with the hope of making this psalm be more meaningful to the family's grieving, and to those folks who are preparing to die. I plan to take each concept and expand and shed light on this poem written over a thousand years ago and maybe it'll help us give some information today. It's not just for the dying, it's for the living too. The psalm begins with, the Lord is my shepherd I shall not want. Now as you use, we often have problems figuring out what we believe and what to name it. It's hard not to acknowledge that there is something greater than ourselves, Sometimes that takes care of, something that takes care of things that we would not ourselves or could not take care of, like sunrises and sunsets, but also something that makes that seed we put into the ground transform into a plant and grow. The mysteries are all around us. In this poem, the Lord is in a person of the shepherd. As we attempt to define, define who our own shepherd is, we need to acknowledge that if we've been around, as most of us have for quite a while, we have had a lot of influences that determine who the shepherd might be to us. Many of us come to you, you from other religious traditions, each with a concept and dogma about who the shepherd is. If we've come from other traditions to you, we often begin by defining our thoughts about the shepherd or the Lord or divine presence as I don't believe that, that doesn't fit me anymore. Then comes the question, what do I believe? Since since UU does not tell anyone what to believe, the work of defining, creating a faith, or discovering and naming the mystery must be done by each person. I've discovered that when we do that work, take the time to think about it, we bring the best of our past ideas to the present, and look for it all to make sense. I spent many years as a hospice chaplain in a secular organization, very confused by having chaplains. Really, literally. I had to begin with each person where they were and what they believed and help them with what their impending death might mean to them. Also worked with the families with those same issues. They spoke of the divine with so many names God, Father, the Lord, the divine, the universe, the great mystery. That connection between me and others. Spirit, higher power, to name a few. Each name was an acknowledgment of that mysterious something beyond themselves. The desire was and is to find a good shepherd one who could guide and comfort, one who had the best interests of the person in mind. I also discovered that it is in the human spirit to seek a name and a concept. Many had harsh, judgmental images of their shepherd left over from their childhood. We had many gentle discussions and prayers. As you use, we have the tools, of the workshop Building Your Own Theology. Has anyone here ever done that workshop? Oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) It is extremely helpful for personal definition and exploration. It's published by Beacon Press. If you've not had a chance to participate in a workshop, I highly recommend it. I highly recommend you gather these folks, to you folks, together and do it. Always, when we share our stories and <coughs> listen to the stories of others, we do learn and grow. It is assumed in this poem, The Lord is my shepherd, has been decided, and that knowing who the shepherd is to each individual, mm-hmm. that the second part I shall not want is taken care of. It is assumed that with a clear and solid incorporation of the shepherd in one's life is enough, and that all that empty restlessness of longing is taken care of. We all know folks who buy and collect lots of things in an attempt to appease that longing, the wanting. Some take drugs and act out in other self-destructive ways. This poem states Mm -mm. that the shepherd is enough. He sustains and brings a kind of peace and release from that want. Shall not want, clarity of who the divine mystery is to one, brings a kind of contentment and a release from that want. The shepherd need not be just male can be female or it may be an interaction or a non-named presence. He makes me to lie down in green pastures is a call to pay attention to the natural world and to experience it as the first spiritual lesson of this poem. It calls us to get out and be in the abundance of nature, having peace and the release from want brings appreciation. Appreciation for the abundance that surrounds us. Abundance of nourishment in all ways. And we can focus on the generosity of the natural world. It brings much into perspective and dispels fears of scarcity or lack and brings more contentment a walk in a park or a trail, a chance to lie down in the grass during the day or night, clears thinking and invites new ideas. We are more able to appreciate self and others and have more empathy and sympathy. So much can be experienced by stretching out in the grass on a starry night and thinking about one's place in the scheme of things personal worries and concerns can fade, can fade away, and a desire to maintain and cherish the environment can be found. (coughs) An aside, so many of our children, young children, do not get outdoors to explore and appreciate the natural world around them, as many live in front of TVs and with handheld technology. Some live in places where it's too dangerous to go outside. It is outside where kids playing together that the skills of negotiation are developed, robust health acquired, and many discovers, discoveries of the natural world are made. Adults in children's lives need to help them find their shepherd and bring them to the green pastures to create values. For is that not the task of religious education? He leads me beside still waters. This second spiritual calling is an invitation to slow down. We need to find <coughs> place for reflection. Quiet reflection on one's life, larger questions, and simple rest. This reflection can solve many problems as just being quiet, the answers come. So many times I've been asked about prayer. Many ask, why aren't you <coughs> your prayers answered? I love those questions. I would answer, well, maybe you've decided you will only accept one outcome. Maybe you have not stopped, been quiet and listened. The answers to questions and prayers don't usually come in shouts or bolts of thunder and lightning, but in very quiet whispers. (laughs) Maybe in that place of quiet, by still waters, literally and figuratively, the answers come. He restoreth my soul. All of the above are guidelines to restore one's soul to bring it back to wholeness. Find one shepherd, be released from the hunger of want, seek out opportunities for gratitude for the abundance surrounding us, and take that time (coughs) to reflect. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. The teachings of any religious tradition are guidance to how to lead a morally outright upright life. Morally upright life. A life that is ethical and true to one's values and principles. This path is one of thoughtfulness, steadiness, and not one of bouncing around from extremes. It is a steady path of weighing, thinking, actions, teaching and learning, not one of fear, reactionary thinking, and impulsive choices. I believe this here is where the poem shifts. The second part of this poem does take a turn. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil. The shadow is fear. Fear is the possibility of death of relationships through divorce, death of abandonment, loss of loved ones to disease, accidents, violence, drugs, suicide. Fear of loss of self during surgery or grave illness. Fear of loneliness in old age and not being able to care for oneself. It is also the fear of the outcomes living under the shadow of natural disasters, war, bad policy, and poor choices of others. As with any fear, returning to the first part of the poem, following the steps may bring solid footing and perspective. The problem, the fears, They still be there, but perspective changes. I'm reminded of the brilliance and the wisdom of the serenity prayer. I have adapted it a bit here. Lord, or whoever my shepherd is, grant me the ability to not let let the things I cannot change hold the shadow over me. Give me the ability to make the choices I need to make and the courage to change what I can, but especially grant me the wisdom to know the difference. It is these times we call upon our shepherd. All of us have light and shadow in our lives. Maybe the opportunity is there to help others with a helping hand, a kind word, or a hug. The light shines and the shadows can lift with the acknowledgement of our humanity to each other. Preparing a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Hard it is every now and then, particularly with a major life event, facing fears, the what-ifs, the shadows, or unfinished finished business in relationships, it is essential to lay it all before oneself. Look closely at where we've made poor choices, mistakes, and said out kind words or hurt others in some way. Accepting blame for one's part and all mistakes is hard. And it is easy to judge and condemn oneself and experience a huge drop in self-esteem self-esteem. Forgiveness comes here. Anoint my head with oil. In ancient times, having one's head touched by oil was a symbol of forgiveness and meant to redirect the receiver to a new direction. The shepherd does not judge or condemn, but continues to give opportunities to discover forgiveness, love, abundance, and joy. Maybe the roadmap of returning to nature and the quiet and solitude of still waters, a bruised and needy soul, soul is renewed. And my cup overflows, overflows with the joys of life. Celebrate, everything is available to us, as it has been all our life. And with the generosity of the Spirit, it will always be there, no matter what. Goodness and mercy have followed me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I would think of how fortunate I am that I was born and live here. I could have been born in Africa or any very poor country. I had four healthy kids. I could have died in childbirth, watched them die of disease or starvation. I would never have lived so long, nor had the opportunities of education and other opportunities that I did. I never lived through a war. These are some of my blessings. I'm sure each of you can add to my list with ones of your own. We may have had bumps and setbacks along the way, but we always have had so many blessings, and I offer gratitude for the mercy and goodness. (coughs) I hope you will join me in celebration. How blessed I am. How blessed we are. The lessons the gems of this 23rd psalm seem simple, yet they are not. They ask much of us, but they give much to us. Lessons learned here are a roadmap to find peace of mind in a chaotic world or when life, life seems out of balance. Know who your divine power is to you. Keep the wanting in check. Seek solitude and nature to celebrate gifts given. Find still waters for quiet reflection. Understand the shadows and fears. Feel the joy of spiritual renewal that comes with gratitude. Each gem of this poem gives us a clue on how to find balance and equilibrium as things swirl around us in our inner world, family life, community, nation, and world. May you and I find the courage and take the the opportunity to restore our soul often. Our hope is that this process will give us strength and fortitude as we encounter life's many challenges. Blessed be.